Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. Good morning, Global. Good morning, Global. Friends of Global and all around the world, different countries, nations that are, are watching in. It's a privilege to have you with us, and I don't take that lightly. I try to speak for no more than about 30 minutes. But hopefully, when you hear my voice, you'll hear another voice speaking, and that'll be the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking into your heart. And you may say, but Dave, I'm not even a Christian. I'm just, my mate told me just to say, have a look at this character. And it's like, it doesn't matter. All are welcome. God is the God of all hearts, of all people. And so... You know, God will speak to you. When Jesus chose his disciples, were they Christians? I don't think so. He just chose them. And then he taught them about faith. And he led them into faith and and believing in himself. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Very exclusive. And yet all inclusive in terms of whosoever will may come, the Bible says. And Jesus will receive you just as you are. But uh, Jesus said, I am the way. You're looking for a way in life. What's the point? What's the purpose? What's the way? Jesus is the way. And Jesus is the truth. Truth is not abstract. Truth is a person. Jesus said, I am the way. The truth. The truth about God. The truth about how you should live your life. You read the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. It's incredible. It's impossible. Because the way, the values of the kingdom of heaven that Jesus, the king of heaven, tells us about. He said, this is how you were hardwired to live and, and hardwired to, 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 to be inside so that it, your values are expressed in your life. You read them. You know, Jesus said, he talked about Moses, the great lawgiver. And he says, Moses says, do not commit adultery. And he says, now I tell you. Wow, who's Jesus to come and... Uh, Get all the God's law and say, now I tell you, unless he's the son of God. So Jesus comes along and he says, now I tell you to think about committing adultery. He's just like doing it. And what Jesus is doing is pushing the standard even higher. And he said, it's impossible, but it's not when the spirit of Jesus is living in, on the inside of you. You can overcome adultery. Same with anger. Jesus said, You've heard it said that, you know, don't be angry with your brother. Now I tell you that uh, anyone who curses his brother is in danger of the fires of hell. And you think, wow, to, to think about it, the standard goes so high. So why did, the, why did the, the sinful people, the people that were always breaking God's laws, why were they so attracted to Jesus? I'll tell you why. Number one, he didn't compromise. He didn't compromise God's word. And he pushed the level so high, they looked and said, is that really possible? Because if it is, I want in. You know there's pleasure in sin for a time, the Bible says, but it tires you out. It makes you old for your age. And these tax collectors and sinners were like, what? Are you for real? Because if you are, we want in. And I think as well, a great persuasion from Jesus was the power of example. Jesus lived what he was talking about. And I want to say, you know, 
for us to change as human beings, we are going to meet Goliaths. It looks like I can't, I can't change. I cannot. I cannot live to God's ways because it's too high. It's too. It's too beyond me. And I want to say, no, it's not. Not when you've got the Spirit of Jesus living on the inside of you. I want to defeat that lie in you. You know, Goliath came to David and he says, "Today I'm going to kill you." David just corrected that lie. He said, no, 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 it's going to go the other way. I'm going to kill you and I'm going to cut your head off. <laughs> I love young people. They are fantastic. But he wasn't just a young person. He was a young person of faith. You know, I gave my life to Jesus Christ when I was 19. And I didn't really know the full extent of what I was committing to. But you can only commit to what you know. And I just gave my life to Jesus very simply. And Jesus has transformed my life and can I say I was involved in that transformation Jesus didn't wave a magic wand and and then all my sins just dropped off and I broke free no no it was by prayer and by restraining myself and feeling like I'm missing out and feeling like I, I don't know how long I can keep this up and I overcame uh, all the, the 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 kind of things that I were into as a young person I said I had a drink problem last week sorry I said last week that as a young kid, I had a drink problem. <laughs> I didn't have a drink problem last week. Honest. So uh, I, I want, I'm saying these things because you will be involved in the transformation. God will not wave a magic wand, but he will empower you to change. God gives you the power. So let the pie see the chips. Sorry, that's an in-joke for Britain. Um, take me out. <laughs> so I'm just saying... Let's get on to the story of David and Goliath. It's a great story. You know, you watch any football match, a boxing match, when it's the odds are just so uneven. And the odds are stacked against the uh, the lesser person in many ways. And it's like, this is a David and Goliath situation. I wonder what David and Goliath situation you're going through today. And I want to encourage you to say, turn to Jesus. He's the champion over evil. He's the champion over obstacles. He's the champion over whatever this life throws against you. He even said in, in John chapter 3, he said, in this world, you will have trouble. What a promise. <laughs> in this world, you will have trouble. He says, but fear not, for I have overcome the world. We follow a person, not just a philosophy. We follow a person who empowers us. Wow, I'm getting to be preached long before, uh, too, too early, really. I'm trying to set a stall out to say David didn't begin life as a giant killer. And that was the first point uh, of the 10 points I want to bring. 10 characteristics of a giant killer. Number one, I touched on this last week. Giant killers don't begin as giant killers. No, David was a young shepherd boy looking after his father's sheep. And while they were, he were out there in the backwaters, nobody watching, he would worship God. He would write songs to God. He was, a, he was a, you know, played the harp and, and played the flute. And he was, a, he was an artisan and he, he was a musician. And he loved poetry. And he could write poetry. But he could sing and he could worship God. And he did that when nobody was watching. That is so good. And I want to encourage you in lockdown. Go away, find somewhere, maybe a bedroom or a, a, a private room and, and go and worship God on your own. See what happens. See what transformation, see what kind of feelings you get. And I'm not a feelings man because I know 
life has to go on whether you feel good, bad or indifferent. But I tell you, when God begins to touch your emotions, he releases you. I don't know what's gone on in your life up until present, but I do know this, that whatever emotions are locked up in you, the Holy Spirit can unlock because emotions are powerful. Dr. Leslie Weatherhead, far from being an evangelical scholar, more on the liberal count, but he said there is nothing more important uh, than human emotion, than, uh, than the will fired by human emotion. You know, men say, well, I'm not into emotions. But you start chatting the wife up, they soon get emotional. <laughs> you ask to borrow the car, they get even more emotional. Anyway, let's move on. Giant killers don't begin as giant killers. I want to encourage you. And you read the story of this young shepherd boy. But even in the backwaters, when trouble came, David's first response was, help me God. What's your first response when you're in trouble, when you're in crisis, when you can't cope? And David turned to God and God proved himself to David. God loves to turn up. Uh, you know, the Americans say, American preachers, they say, God loves to show up and show off. And I, and I like that. That's very un-British. That's pride. God doesn't want to show off. Just chill out. Just have a little beer and chill out. <laughs> David proved God in his life when nobody was watching. And that's really important. And I know there's many new Christians in global. And it's your time now to, to prove God in your life. And uh, many of you, you're not teenagers. Some of you are older. But you've just uh, found faith in Christ. And I want to say God is such an encourager. And he answers prayers of new believers very quickly. That's what I've noticed over the years. Very, very quickly. Because he, he's an encourager. And then after a while, he begins to stop. And um, and, he, he, and it's because he wants to, to, to have you come back for prayer. And he loves, he loves your presence. He wants to get to know you and he wants you to get to know him. And so he, he, he holds off answering your prayer because he enjoys your presence. Isn't that amazing? Uh, you, you know, God so loved the world. You, you've got to have children, I think, to understand this kind of thing. Or you've got to... You've got to have worked with children because it's so beautiful when when your kids, you know, when they call you dad uh, or they call you mom and, and, and they, they come to you. And, and, you know, I can remember one time in, uh, we just moved into uh, our house in York, our home in York. And I was on the driveway and I was flying out to Africa. Uh, we were building an orphanage at the time in Tanzania. Me, me boys came out on, on the driveway and I was going and they were too late dad. And, uh, and so I got down on my knees and I, and, I, and I cuddled the first one and gave him a kiss and the second one come and I gave him a kiss and the third one come and I gave him a kiss and, and I got emotional I'm on the drive you know what, you know what kids are like they're off playing football and I'm left on, on, on my driveway crying <laughs> all the neighbours are looking thinking is he having a breakdown you know what it's beautiful but you know, God loves your presence. In lockdown, let's spend time getting to know our God and proving him. Asking God to help you when you're struggling with your mental health, when you feel claustrophobic, when you feel locked in on lockdown, when you're irritated with people in the house and you're like, oh, there's no peace and quiet. You know, don't shout at people. Go to your bedroom. 
smother your face with the pillar and shout into the pillar. Don't shout at people, shout into the pillar. And if you can turn that into praise and worship, do it right there. I'm just trying to give you some tips and tricks because, tips and, and tricks, I should say, just because you've got to live in close proximity. It's unnatural for so long and, and you're living in close proximity with other people. And uh, that in itself can become oppressive like a giant, but you can defeat that giant. And uh, let's move through the story. Um, giant killers don't begin life as giant killers. And then number two, giant killers see the potential reward if they defeat the giant. You see the potential reward. Now, if you've been a Christian a long time, you think, well, we don't do it for rewards and all that lot, and we're all wired really weirdly. But for you new Christians, you can read the Bible without without um, stained glass lenses, without a religious mindset, and you can just read it as it is. And just a plain reading of the Bible, and you start to see some amazing things in here. And um, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, says that God is a rewarder of those who eagerly desire him or seek him earnestly. Uh, so God is a rewarder. He does reward. In fact, on judgment day, when the books will be open, God will reward us for things done in the body. He will reward us. The Bible talks about us having crowns. You know, so some of us are going to have crowns with that many jewels in it. We're going to need a neck brace. <laughs> Come on, we need, to, we need to have faith to believe for these things. And you say, well, well that will give me a wrong motivation. We'll change your motivation. But you know, David went for reward. And there's a psalm, it's either Psalm 35 or Psalm 37. I always forget which one it is. And it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So I delight myself in the Lord because I've got a lot of desires in my heart that I want God to help me to have. And I want you, is it positive? Why should faith be so negative? And for years I've been a negative, I've always managed to bring a negative slant with my evangelical Christianity and my charismatic Christianity. What a, you know, I, I visited all the camps, but you know what? It says in the Bible, serve the Lord with gladness. John Wesley, the Methodist, he wouldn't have anybody riding with him because there weren't cars in them days, but he wouldn't have anybody on horseback who didn't have a sense of humour. Come on, there's not enough clowns in the kingdom of heaven. I mean, clowns in the proper sense of making people laugh because laughing breaks up legalism. I'm not getting through me talk much, but I hope you're getting stuff from here. Why? Because I, I am a giant killer. I have killed, but they're not physical people. They're mindsets, they're attitudes that I've had to overcome. And, and I'm not going back. I'm going forward. I went to Bible college twice. That's how slow I am. <laughs> but do you know what? Do you know what? I have, I've learned and I've took the religious lens off and I'm reading the Bible and it just comes alive. It is fantastic. So giant killers, here we go. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Uh, giant killers see potential reward. Let's look at verse 25. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him, 
What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And they repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. And so the majority of the crowd see the, uh, the obstacles in life, but only a few of them see the objectives. You see, there are a big army there. They all saw the obstacle. Nobody saw the objectives. And so uh, what, what separates a fruitful leader from an unfruitful one is that fruitful leaders see the impact and the reward for taking the risk that they take. They see the impact and the reward. That's the difference. And, you know, the kingdom of heaven is built on rewards. Well, I know what you're saying. It's built on righteousness and justice. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but it's built on rewards. Uh, and, and we've got to believe that. You know, Jesus said, Luke chapter 6, verse 38, somewhere around there, maybe 36. But he says, as you give, it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Will God cause men to come and put things in your lap? Right? So... It's, it, it, it's, the, and, and it's the objectives you're looking, you're just saying, yeah, so if we give, nobody wants to give because it feels like it's loss. But Jesus has turned it, it, it's turned it around, but he says, as you give, with a big heart, he says, God watches and he will cause men to come and bring you a good measure like stuff in it and we can't get any more in because we want this man or this woman to have so much and God will cause men and women to do that when you give. This is, but you've got to go and prove God with that. For others, the risk seems too high. On the day that David faced Goliath, everyone, everyone had the same opportunity. The army saw Goliath. David saw God behind Goliath. The army saw the problem. David saw the potential. And we can't evaluate a situation in terms of just what we see. Because all that's, although that's the, you know, it's a true reflection, it's not the whole truth. Behind what we see is an all-powerful, loving God. And we must remind ourselves of that fact, of that reality. But I do want to say something here as well, that, that not everything that we see is the first cause. So as you look at Goliath, it looks like, oh, we're up against an enemy, but he's not the first cause. The Bible says we have an invisible enemy, the devil, and his power has been broken at the cross. And he's no match for, for God, but God's not in the fight. It's We're in the fight and we need God to help us in the fight. Because if God were in the fight, he'd just snuff it all out. There's no competition between him and Satan. God is, is, is higher than, than, uh, than Satan. God created Satan. So, you, you know, he's on a different level totally. And when God wants to rebuke the, uh, the enemy, he sends one of his angels. He doesn't go. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, I know I'm throwing open up an old Pandora's box of, so what about this and what about that? And that's for a later stage. Just hold your horses and let's just deal with this as, as we go through. But I want you to know that behind the scenes, uh, there is an evil presence, an evil person called Satan, and he inspires evil all over the world. And, and so behind Goliath, 
we've got the enemies of God's people. Who's the enemy of God's people? Satan. And, and so, you know, David can discern that. And so the fear that everybody else is experiencing doesn't touch David for two reasons. One is David wasn't there. And these guys felt the fear and they've stayed in the fear now for 40 days and 40 nights. So now they've, because they didn't attack that fear, they came under it. They're now a prisoner to it. Whereas David is out in the fields worshipping his God, defeating lions, defeating bears, chasing them off and everything when they came to attack his sheep. And then David comes from outside into the problem. And as he comes into the problem, he is fresh. He is filled with the Holy Spirit. He is, he is fresh from the fight. And he looks and he's, he's picturing it in his mind. He can see. He's visualizing it. And he's saying, I can, I can take him out. He, he's just like the lions or the bears. Like they're intimidating and they're life-threatening and they could kill you. But with my God, I can do all things. So it's like, and you know, he's a picture of Jesus. We couldn't save ourselves. We were stuck in our fears, in our sin, and we needed somebody from outside the human race to come in. And God sent his only son. And Jesus comes in. He came from heaven. The only person who ever chose to live, to be born, was Jesus. And he came from heaven. And he came in disguise. He came as a human being. And, uh, you know, Paul writes in the New Testament that the fullness of God dwelt in Christ. And so he's, he's like Jesus is God uh, made flesh. And that's why he did the miracles that he did. That's why he spoke the way that he did. And he had the wisdom beyond anybody, even beyond Solomon. So anyway, I digress. <laughs> but coming back, first causes and second causes. And I want you to notice that many things that come to us in life, they're not the issue. It's what's behind them that's the issue. That's why we have to pray. Paul in Ephesians chapter 6, I'll maybe look at this next week. But in Ephesians 6, uh, Paul says, stand, stand in the power of the Lord, right? And he said, and having done everything to stand, and then he teaches us how to stand. And it's by putting on the whole armour of God and by praying and being persistent and having done all to stand. Sometimes when you're fighting a Goliath, you know, it, it's not just a, an afternoon job, but you're having, it takes a few days to defeat some of the Goliaths especially internal Goliaths. And, you know, some days you don't feel like you're making any progress. You're just standing. You're not going back, but you're not making the progress that you want. And I want to encourage somebody with that today and, and just say, you, you, but you haven't gone back. You, you're not what you want to be, but you're not what you were. And recognise progress and be kind to yourself. In, encourage yourself and just say, you, you're doing all right. You do, and, and But keep, Keep, keep seeing where you're going. Keep visualising your future, just like David did. Don't get hung up on that word, visualise. Oh, it's new age. Oh, it's this modern thinking or whatever. Visualisation happens constantly. It's the language of the Holy Spirit. He will give us visions and dreams, the Bible says. Joel chapter 2-ish. Faith happens in everyday life situations. And we've got to bring our faith. And the Bible is full of stories like this to encourage us. These are not myths or legends. These things are true. And they're, they're, they're historical happenings. 
And in 1 Corinthians 10, the Apostle Paul writes and he says, these things were written for our good so that we could learn from these. You know, God didn't come down and give us a series of lectures on faith. He gave us stories like David and Goliath so that we could see how faith operates. And David visualized his future. And he said to Goliath, I am going to take you down and I'm going to cut your head off. David didn't even have a sword. He was going to use Goliath's sword. He'd pictured it. He'd fantasized about it. There we go. Can you see what I'm saying? We do these things constantly. When you buy a home, you visualize how you're going to redo everything and I'm going to rip that kitchen out and put this and rip that bathroom out this is the furniture it's visualization and and that's how we that's how we get on in life that's how we we move to different levels in life we have to picture uh, we, we are, uh, our future we have to think about it and it's all there in the bible you know the bible is full of material for you life coaches out there and, and leadership coaches like myself you, you know it's I, I, I absolutely love it. It's full of stories, but it's more than that. It's full of stories where God turns up and God gets involved. Well, we haven't got very far today. We've done one characteristic, one and a half, really. <laughs> uh, but I don't want to rush this because we're in lockdown and this is so relevant. I'm showing you, that's where my notes are. <laughs> this is so relevant uh, to where we're at. The next characteristic I'm going to leave till next week because I know that some of you are waiting for a cup of tea uh, or a refill. Uh, I hope you're enjoying the worship, by the way. Do do stand in worship. You know, if you can, I don't, I'm not saying this to embarrass you. Don't, you don't have to stand in front of your family. Don't put Jesus first in front of your family <laughs> and make a stand in your living room and everyone's irritated with you anyway. So don't do that. What I'm saying is, if you've got the opportunity, Shelley and myself, there's only us two here. We stand and we worship and, and we, we enter in. And although it's technology, it comes to us through technology, God is so real. And he lifts burdens off and he refocuses us and he puts love back into our hearts. He puts energy back in, puts perspective back in. And, you know, worship's for him, but I can't... I, I have to say there are rewards, and I've just I've just mentioned the rewards. There are benefits of worshiping God, but you know worship is the most selfless thing that a human being can do. It's the most selfless thing, and yet there's rewards in there. And I want to worship. God said, sorry, Jesus said in in John chapter four, verse four, He said, uh, "There's going to come a time where people will worship my Father in spirit." and in truth, and uh, shaped by the Bible, but having the purity of the Spirit, leading us, guiding us, and giving God the honour and the praise and the glory that nobody else on planet Earth gives him, and yet he's created them. And he's got a plan and a purpose for them, but they totally ignore him. And he doesn't take his ball home or spit his dummy out, to use metaphors. He's patient. He even said to Isaiah, all day long I've held out my hands to an obstinate people. I have called you, but you didn't reply. And God is patient, the Bible says, long-suffering. Let's take this time to get to know him. And maybe today you say, I've never given my life to Christ. We always give people an opportunity to give their life to Jesus Christ. 
the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. For you manuscripts all love, love stuff this. I don't know, give him your allegiance. He is your rightful king. And when you become his subject, you'll find freedom. You'll find purpose. You'll find a new dignity. From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website 